0: So uh, we pick it up. Um, Paul and uh, a few of his companions have been traveling. They're coming back from their missionary trip, and Paul was warned not to go up to Jerusalem. Um, if you remember, uh, there was the guy who tied his hands, the prophet, and all these friends they didn't want him to go because they knew what was coming if he went back to Jerusalem. And we talked about um, if you sometimes we'll get a word from the Lord, or someone might even have a word for us. And they might have even the best intention for us, but just because a bad thing might be in our future doesn't necessarily mean that it's not the Lord's will for us to go through it and or to endure it. And I think a lot of Christianity, you know, derails on that with thinking that we're going to have health, wealth, and prosperity when Paul was naked and poor and shipwrecked. And I think sometimes following the way of God isn't always the easy way. But so that happened. He went up to Jerusalem. He began to address. The people and then the mob formed and they were beating him up. And then the Roman guards came and they took him and they were going to flog him. And so Paul pulled the Roman citizen card and was like, basically you can't do this. And that's kind of where we pick it up. So 23, uh, verse 11, it says, But the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. And when it was day, some of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Um, and now there were more than 40 who had formed this conspiracy. And I'll stop there for a second. Um, I think it's interesting that it's the Lord stood by him and said, you know, a lot of times we've seen that the apostles in prison or other things going on. And, you know, they, they sing or they worship or they pray or even an angel breaks them loose. Out of jail on these things, but Paul knew that I was the Lord by him, the same one who had knocked him off his horse and made him blind for three days. Uh, the one who he used to persecute, how he even was sharing that uh, in his testimony, um, says, "Be of good cheer, Paul. You know, for you have testified to me in Jerusalem, so you must all bear witness for me in Rome." That this was an affirmation to Paul. You know, maybe I don't know. Again, I'm just conjecturing, but maybe Paul was thinking, maybe I shouldn't have come to Jerusalem. Maybe this was all a mistake, but God appears next to him and comforts him while he's uh, in this ordeal and uh, says, Paul, that uh, this is for a reason, you know, that uh, you've given your testimony here just because they didn't accept it doesn't mean that you didn't do the right thing, but also that this is going to be the method that I'm going to get you to Rome. You know, remember that Caesar was in power, uh, you know, that this guy was uh, in charge of the whole world. And Paul was about to go witness in front of him. And God knew this from the beginning. God knew this when, um, when Paul was born. God knew this when Paul was standing by while Stephen was stoned, that mm-hmm. God was going to use this man, uh, whether Paul knew it or not. And this was the way there. And I think so, t- so often in our lives we think that it's going to be paved and smooth and easy. But what did Jesus say about that road? Mm-hmm. That the road to hell is wide and it's easy, but the mm-hmm. way is narrow. That leads to life. Um, and so there's these men that are conspiring against them. I don't, I know, I know there's people in life that don't like me, but I don't, I don't think any of them spend that much time thinking about me that they want to kill me. So, um, but there's a conspiracy. And they came to the chief priest, verse 14, and elders, and said, "We have bound ourselves under a great oath that we will eat nothing until we have killed Paul. How virtuous <laughs> it is virtue signaling they've got going on. We have, we have bound ourselves under this great oath that we're not going to go to Burger King, right, Jake? until we've killed Paul. Isn't that, you know, I'm probably going to get off on a million tangents tonight, but isn't that like our modern day where people have these great swelling words of affirmation of what they're doing and how great it is, but at the core it's, you know, like these guys, they just want to kill somebody. Uh, Now you, therefore, together with the council, suggested to the commander that he be brought down to you tomorrow as though you were going to make further inquiries concerning him. Uh, But we are ready to kill him before he comes near. So have Paul come down here like you're going to question him, and we're going to try and kill him. Uh, So when Paul's sister's son, his brother's uncle, just kidding, uh, Paul's sister, his son, so that would be his nephew, heard of their ambush, he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. So I wonder how he heard about about that. Was he part of the court? Did he work there? But it's, it's interesting, you know, God has people in places, right? You know, don't don't speak evil of a dignitary, for a canary will tell him, right? Uh, uh, enter the barracks and told Paul. Uh, so he went in the prison, uh, in the soldiers' quarters and told Paul. So the, Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, take this young man to the commander, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the commander and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me to him and asked me to bring this young man to you. He has something to say to you. And then the commander of the soldiers took him by the hand, went aside and asked him privately, uh, what is it that you have to tell me? Alicia, sit down, honey. And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask that you bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire more fully about him. But do not yield to them uh, for more than 40 of them lie in wait for him. Men who have bound themselves by an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are already waiting for the, uh, uh, the promise from you. So the commander let the young, men depart and, young man depart and commanded him, tell no one that you have revealed these things to me. So it's kind of comforting to know that the conspiracy is nothing new. People have been conspiring since the beginning of time to get their way and have their way, especially against people that they hate or uh, beliefs that they hate. Uh, and they hated Paul for what he believed. They hated Paul, a man who was once one of, uh, one of their best it is now in their eyes, one of their worst, because he came to know Jesus. And how how twisted does someone's mind have to be to think that a Christian is someone, you know, who's bad, unless the Christian has, of course, obviously done something that might be worthy of it. Paul hasn't done that. Alicia, honey, you need to sit and stop moving around. I want you to slide back. Sit back there, sweetie. Okay. You know, and we see the tides shifting in our day and age. I mean, I'm not that old, but, you know, when I grew up in the 80s, America was a much different place. I mean, mean, we know, like, even now, uh, you know, cults such as Mormons are looked more highly upon than the Christians, that these people, and I think part of it's deserved. I think a lot of Christianity has done things that may or may not be deserving of it, but at the root of it, um, you know, maybe we just haven't had a good witness in our country, but, uh, and you know, which one of us is perfect in that, but, you know, to think that Christians or Christians should be killed and that it's okay, that it's, you're doing something noble. I mean, the scripture talks about there's gonna come a day when people will kill you and think that they're doing God himself a service. And I see that day approaching faster and faster, even with political rhetoric in our days where somehow, you know, like I saw today, someone has a picture of basically murdering Donald Trump and they're fine with it again. and. And as much as, you know, one way or the other, I don't know that I would ever, I mean, I can't say that I would never. I'm not a. I'm without the Lord, I'm just as flawed. But to think that to murder someone is somehow just because you don't agree with them, you don't like them, or even think that they're evil is, I mean, I think Hitler deserves his day and everything, but I don't know that I would, I don't know. I can't say I wasn't there, but I, I think, again, these people have this idea that they're doing something noble and just. Jacob, sit over there on that side. I'll go with mommy. You guys are not listening. I know it's hard, but that's why you can go back there, okay? Um, and so the commander, you know, thankfully the commander didn't want anything to do with this conspiracy, whether it was out of his own, um, you know, his own morality, or he just, he was Roman and didn't want to deal with the Jews' garbage. I don't know. But, you know, uh, he said, don't tell anyone, but we're not going to, you know, don't tell anyone. Don't let them know uh, so that they can't plot. Uh, so verse 23, and he called for two centurions, saying, and centurions were big time soldiers. They were, they were uh, special soldiers in the Roman army. Prepare 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go out to Caesarea at the third hour of the night. So that's, that's a lot of guys. That's like probably as many people as you might guard the president with even more. And provide mounts to set Paul on and bring him safely to Felix the governor. And he wrote the letter in the following matter. uh, Claudius Lysias, to the most excellent governor Felix, greetings. Uh, So he's writing to the governor. He says, this man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them. And coming with the troops, I rescued him, uh, having learned that he was a Roman. You know, (laughs) here's his angle to get, you know, to have his... uh, name brought up the ranks a little bit but he says and when I wanted to know the reason they accused him I brought him before their council. I found out that he was accused concerning questions of are law but had nothing charged against him deserving of death or chains and when it was told me that the Jews lay in wait for the man I sent him immediately to you and also uh, commanded his accusers to state before you the charges against him farewell so he did rescue him from that crowd um, uh, uh, and it seems like this man seems to understand that there's definitely a uh, Uh, an issue amongst the Jews that isn't necessarily illegal. They want want him killed for other reasons that uh, may or may not be just, uh, especially to Roman law. But verse 31 says, Then the soldiers, as they were commanded, took Paul and brought him by night to uh, Antipatris. And the next day they left the horsemen to go on with him and return to the barracks. And when they came to Caesarea and had delivered a letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. And when the governor had read it, he asked what province he was from, and when he had understood that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear you when your accusers also have come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's praetorium. So uh, Paul is safely delivered. Um, God used the Roman government to protect Paul and get him there. Um, you know, people scheme all the time, but God has ways of doing things that, uh, you know, Paul wouldn't have had a, a, a special forces secret service escort, you know, if it wasn't the Lord's doing. Um, all because he went to a place where they hated him and they, these poor soldiers just stumbled upon him one day. Um, but verse tw- uh, chapter 24 says, Now after five days, Ananias the high so they obviously weren't in a rush to go bring their case before him, the high priest came down with the elders and a certain orator named uh, Tertullus. These gave evidence to the governor against Paul. Um, you know, So Paul's in court and they're having a trial before the governor. And when he was called upon, Tertullus began his accusation, saying... Um uh, So basically this guy's like their uh, uh, prosecutor. Uh, seeing that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight, so they're really buttering up. Felix. <laughs> uh, nothing new there. We accept it always, and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy, a few words from us. If we have found this man a plague, that's a strong word. I think a lot of people might think Christianity is a plague. They don't today, I think in 10 years, unless we repent as a nation, they are going to think even more so. I mean, we'll get off on the rails on it, but there's so many issues that Christians are, are I wouldn't even say necessarily against, but just will talk about it like it is. That's not acceptable anymore. It's considered almost hate speech uh, in a court of law um i uh i don't look forward to the future in that sense but he says "For we have found this man paul a plague a creator of dissension among all the jews throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of the nazarenes a ringleader i can almost picture if this was today they'd be calling him a terrorist um and he's got a cell of uh, people that follow with him and they cause problems in every city they go and even tried to profane the temple verse 6 and we seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. Remember, the Jews didn't like the Roman rule over them. They wanted it thrown off them. They would hoped the Messiah would throw it off them, but they didn't. And uh, so they're still. The Jews don't necessarily care what the Roman law says, but they're trying to make trying to make it that they don't get in trouble with the Romans here and to do what they want to do. But the commander Lysias came by and with great violence took him out of our hands. Like, your soldiers were really rough and. Uh, shouldn't have done what you did and took Paul from us Uh, commanding his accusers to come to you by examining him yourself you may ascertain all these things of which we accuse him and the Jews also assented maintaining that these things were so all the other Jews that were with him said yes this is true so that was their case against Paul uh, and they didn't really give any specific evidence other than they didn't like him and what their opinion of him was Uh, verse 10 says then paul after the governor had nodded to him to speak uh, so at least he gets his voice in court and as much as i know so this is paul and as much as i know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation i do the more cheerfully answer for myself uh, because you may ascertain that it is no more than 12 days since i went up to jerusalem to worship and uh, i know that the bible talks about us um, if we're brought before the court, if we're brought before, at least for being a Christian, that we're not to worry about what we say, but he'll give us those words in that hour. And especially to Paul, someone who is highly educated, who is a master of uh, Judaism and the law. Uh, I think if anyone's going to defend himself in court, uh, Paul would be the one to do it. Um, and they uh, neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone, nor inciting the crowd, even in the synagogue. Like, look, I haven't fought with anyone. I haven't even started any arguments with anybody. In uh, verse 13, he says, Nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. That there's no real evidence here, he's saying. But this I confess to you, that according to the way, uh, that's what they would call Christianity back then, the way, and I love it, uh, which they call a sect, uh, almost like a cult or a separate group, you know, not a, they, they treat it like it's not valid. He says, So I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, uh, I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, uh, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Remember, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, and the Sadducees didn't. Uh, and yet, I love how Paul, in his defense, he's going back to the beginning. He's, he's showing how he is of the Jews and by the Jews and truly believes everything that they should believe. In verse 16, This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience Without offense toward God and men. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation. In the midst of which, some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with a mob nor with tumult. So they're saying they found me, but I never was. I never was starting anything here. They ought to have been uh, before you. To, uh, they ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me, or else let those who are here themselves say if they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council. Unless it is for this one statement which I cried out standing among them concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. And I love how Paul says, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, it's not wrong to defend yourself in a way. You know, God vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But if we're given an opportunity to speak, there's times when we can use it. I mean, obviously, Jesus didn't always speak in front of his accusers. times to keep my mouth shut and times not to but at this time, Paul had an opportunity not just to defend himself, but to defend the gospel. And the core of the gospel being the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And he's saying that uh, perhaps this is the statement that set them off. That uh, it's about the resurrection. Um, because the one that they didn't want to believe resurrected, even though they believed in the resurrection, was Jesus verse 22, but uh, when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, when seest the commander comes down, I will make a decision on your case. Uh, so again, Felix heard these things and, you know, I think he's kind of passing the buck and just waiting a little bit. And he doesn't really want to make a decision just yet. Um, and so he said, so he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for a visit for him. So Paul's back in police custody he's back in sort of house arrest even though it's not his house but Felix Felix knows that this is, is what it is and Paul's not a danger Paul's not a threat Paul's not going to run away uh, and if Paul's friends come over they're not going to break him out of jail and so he gives Paul a little bit of freedom here um, just to wait until make a decision here so that's some favor there um, but after some days verse 24 uh, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla how would you like to be named Ursula? Mm. Not a name. <laughs> Not a name. Yeah. I'd more like it to be um. What was it? Um, what's my sister's name? Miriam. Miriam. Yeah. Well, me. Yeah, it comes from Miriam, in some way through history. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who was Jewish? He sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Um, you know, that uh, his wife, interesting, though, know, uh, uh, ladies can be more sensitive to spiritual things at times. Uh, and she seems to have heard something about this. Now, as he reasoned about the righteousness, uh, self-control, and judgment to come, uh, isn't that just kind of the work of the Holy Spirit there? Felix was afraid, and he answered, go away for now, when I have a convenient time I will call for you. You know, it's interesting when the gospel goes out that there's different reactions among people. Um, you know, it's one of the things that brought me back to the Lord was uh, as I grew up in the church, and in and out of the church, and going to Christian school, and knowing Revelation. Um, from remember eighth grade class, we had Revelation. That was one of my favorites. Uh, but that's around the time I, I started doing my own thing. Uh, but when I was... By the time I was 22, and seeing things that were going on in the world and everything else, I started reading Revelation again, and that was the Lord getting my attention. Am reading it and being afraid, knowing that this is true and this is coming, and I need to, I need to be forgiven. I need to. It took me a while. To, I'm, I'm pretty thick-headed, but God is patient, right? But Felix didn't. Felix was afraid, but his reaction to the fear of the judgment. You know, if you're afraid of something, you believe it can happen, right? Like, I'm not afraid of a dinosaur coming in here right now because it's not going to happen. But I'm a little bit afraid of the next four years, to be honest, and what laws might be passed, what things, even just more taxes. Um, You know, I got kids to feed. But I know God will take care of us no matter what comes. But Felix was afraid, right? And fear can be irrational or it can be rational. And Felix's fear was rational because he knew that he wasn't obeying God. He knew... What Paul was saying, he knew that obviously it caused a stir among the people. He knew about what things happened with Jesus and resurrection. But his reaction is telling. He says, I don't want to think about it right now. When it's a convenient time for me. And how many people say, when I get older, when it's a better time for me, I'm busy right now. What did Jesus say? Let the dead bury their own dead. It's, you come follow me now. Don't worry about these other things. But Felix wasn't ready to get rid of his sin yet. And so Paul just gets... Kind of left there for now uh, while Felix ignores. And isn't that like us to to procrastinate and to put off um, things we don't like to deal with? Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul. You know, (laughs) he's also hoping that Paul will slip him uh, uh, some coins to get out of jail, uh, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. Uh, But after two years, two years, Porch, I took Latin in high school, so I always struggle because I want to say it how I think it would be said in Latin. But Portius Festus, uh, uh, in Latin would be Porcius, succeeded Felix, and Felix wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. So because of politics, because Felix was afraid of the judgment and didn't want to deal with the truth, because Felix was also hoping to extort Paul and get some money out of him, Paul stuck in jail for two years. Is yeah, he <laughs> was, and even uh, even the guy who came into office after uh, Felix uh, Festus um, politically wanted to Jews a favor to stay on their good side. So he said, "I'm going to keep Paul in prison." Uh, I this stuff still goes on today. You hear about like pastors in Iran or other places where they're in jail for years, and you, know, you think about their families at home. You know, Paul uh, Paul wasn't married at least at this at this time in his life. Um, he may have been married before, but he didn't have a family at home worried about him. Uh, so he was free to be there. But, um, you know, I think a lot of times we'd say, well, why didn't God get me out of jail? Why doesn't God get me out of this? I thought I was here to get to Rome. I thought I was here. Why am I here for two years and nothing's happening? And, you know, it doesn't say that Jesus showed up next to Paul every night here and told him something comforting. Paul only had the word to go on back here that said, be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem. So you must all bear witness for me at Rome. Two years and five days and however many other days it was ago. I think sometimes we get in situations and we have to rely on uh, what God said to us in the past. You know, some, sometimes it's been said, If uh, you know, what was the last thing you heard from the Lord? You know, sometimes we think we're going to get another word or it's going to be different. And God's like, I told you a year ago what to do or what to change. You know, even Felix, you know. God gives a chance to everybody to repent. And um, I think that's a comfort in life to know that even anybody as far off as they might seem to be from the Lord until it's their last breath, they have an opportunity. And I believe God, God was probably convicting Felix. I'm sure the words echoed in his mind and maybe did, didn't after a while. Maybe his wife was nagging him all the time. I don't know. Um, but let's read just a little bit more here says now uh, when Festus had come to the province after three days he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem and then the high priest and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul and they petitioned him asking a favor against him that he would summon him to Jerusalem while they lay in ambush uh in the road to kill him did, did didn't we just read this already <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm half thinking did I flip the page back and forget well, yeah, yeah. Right, right. have they have they eaten? (laughs) I would have, yeah. I guess that (laughs) vow. I wonder how long they waited. You know, like was it a couple more days? Did they find? So they wanted to ambush Paul and kill him again. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept in Caesarea and that he himself was going there shortly. Therefore, he said, "Let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there is any fault in him." Again, trying to find fault in him, and how important it is that. I was even reading the other night that you know our lives would be above reproach that people on the outside would look at us and, and not have anything to say against us. And that's a, that's a tall order sometimes. And when he had remained among them more than 10 days, he went down to Caesarea. And the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, he commanded Paul to be brought. Um, and when he had come, the Jews... So Paul's back in court again. And when he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. And again, we see this theme complaints, uh, without baseless things, even with the Lord, uh, they accused him and he was silent. They even uh, beat him and he was silent. Um, and while he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews nor against the temple, so they're, they're repeating Paul's argument against him, uh, have I offended anything at all? But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, again we see this statement, answered Paul and said, are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? Uh, so Paul said, "I stand at Caesar's judgment seat." So they're trying to move Paul's trial again, trying to move the court, trying to do political things using Paul as a pawn. Uh, obviously, they want Paul. Uh, the Jews want Paul dead. So Paul pulls out the Roman citizen card again. He says, "I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged." He's saying, "Guys, stop playing around. I'm a Roman citizen. Bring me to Caesar." Paul finally, you know, this is the way that God was going to get him there. If Paul didn't. Step up and do this, he wouldn't have gone to Caesar. And I think Paul was thinking, you know, God wants me to go to Caesar, so I'm going to appeal to Caesar. You know, sometimes there's that practical side of when we have an opportunity to do something practically, it's part of God's spiritual plan. You know, obviously, you know, there could be a whole message on that and dividing that, but we see it here in a a way. To the Jews, I have done no wrong, for as you very know, for if I'm an offender or have committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying. But if there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. And then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, You have appealed to Caesar? To Caesar you shall go. I think, uh, just a step back, he says, I do not object to dying. Uh, I, we read it in other letters that Paul wrote that he was ready to die for the gospel. And I, I don't know how long it takes a man to get to that, or a woman to get to that point where you can... Easily say, I do not object to dying. You know, I was crawling under my wife's truck yesterday, changing the transmission fluid, and thinking about how tight it was under there, and if the jack stand went out or the jack went out, I wouldn't want to be under there. And I think, like Lord, I'm cla- maybe I shouldn't record this, but <laughs> um, I wouldn't want to be in an enclosed space. So you think about people that are tortured for Christ. You know, you know, like Richard Wormbrand and Torch lighters and everything, where man, these people are ready when they go through it or they see their family hurt in front of them to try, and they don't renounce it, right? And I think, man, I'm, I I, love the Lord and I love the Word, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like to think that I would, be, I would be ready and God would give me the strength in the time, but I also think about some of the awful things that they do to people. And I go, oh, man, I don't know. God, give me the strength. And Paul can easily say, in a Roman place where they crucify people, where they scourge people, it's fine. I'm ready to die. I do not object to it. And Paul knew that um, every day he had was from the Lord's any, from the Lord anyway. Uh, but he appealed to Caesar, and Festus goes, talks with his legal counsel, and they go, Yeah, get him out of here. Well, we can send to, It's not going. We're not going to get in trouble if we send him to Caesar. Let's send him to Caesar. And that's what, where we'll leave off for tonight. So uh, we see Paul coming towards the end of his life. Still standing up for God, and uh, willing to do that. And I think about all uh, uh, faithful people of God that I know of who've served God until their last day. And, and not that there's anything, else, anything wrong with retiring, but you know, retiring from ministry, whether it's paid or unpaid. I think that um, it's all our duty, whether you're in ministry officially or not. I, you know, uh, that's not the real count of ministry. That's not the real count. It's. Right, right. You're sawn in half or hung upside down. or <laughs> you know. Is there someone who wants... I want to be like Enoch. Yeah. <laughs> I want to walk with God and be no more. <laughs> if I want to be out of here before the fire comes. I want to go. I've got a good friend who uh, who believes differently than me about the order of events and the end times. And that's fine. I tell him all the time he can be wrong. but <laughs> But I go, I want to be out of here. I said, I'll take the early bus. You can take the late bus. <laughs> and... <laughs> And, you know, and, and which one of us can really claim to know exactly how the things of God are going to play out? I mean, we can... Hope for the early bus, but prepare for the late... Exactly. <laughs> exactly, right? Right? Exactly. So, uh, I know, we get, we get so divided on these things that are... Yeah. we're not supposed to be divided over. Um, but point being, yeah. we should be ready, like Paul. Our aim in our life should be, until our last breath, to give it a defense for the gospel and at the core of it, know that even if we lose our lives, why would I think, why was Paul so ready to die? Because he knew so much about the resurrection. You know, if, if we know that this isn't our last life, the, the minute we die, we're going to be in God's presence and like Him and be known as we're known and be reunited and no more tears and no more pain that um be ready to die, right? Mm-hmm. Amen? Well, Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You that we can just uh, read it and... Uh, Just be reminded, and I think even God, just reading and talking about it, that um, it really helps give perspective on life. Um, We get so caught up in politics or day to day life or worries or just whatever is going on, even fun things and celebrations and days off and all that. But it gives perspective on what's really most important um, is you and living for you and the fact that our lives are not our own, that God, you're going to orchestrate situations in our lives to. Uh, bring glory to you, and that uh, we're to shine for you in that and be used by you in that, whatever that is, God. And uh, if you would call us to go home to heaven, if you call us to go to another part of the country or to another part of the world, uh, even if we like just where we are just fine, uh, God, we're not our own. So uh, use us, we pray. Uh, protect us, we pray, especially our children. Watch over them in these uh, last days as we know they're just going to get darker. Um, but in that time let us shine bright and uh, we pray that God you would have your way here in the valley and uh, in your church um, and all over this world we ask in Jesus name we love you God Amen There is a vineyard of the Lord There is a vineyard for our soul. With all our troubles left behind and door we drink first light until